0: Dazzlers Craft. Handcraft custom trainers designed in-house from your favourite football team or player to that band you've always loved. Dazzlerscraft.co.uk.
1: Welcome to my best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by a man who um, played at his hometown club, Forest, then Luton, Shrewsbury, Exeter, and Peterborough. But he's probably maybe more well known for his management career. Um, Started his um, time in non league, then went to uh, Luton, Tottenham, Leicester, back to Luton, Sheffield Wednesday, and had from my understanding, I was speaking to a Spurs fan of mine earlier. He had three stints or two stints, I think, as caretaker. Um, today, we are joined by a man proudly wearing his Tottenham shirt. We are joined by David Pleat. How are you, David?
2: I'm fine and uh, looking forward to uh, the conversation. I'm sure we'll have good
1: fun. Fantastic. Fantastic. How are you, Marvin? I'm, I'm going to say,
0: Andrew, that for the very first time with a guest, I'm nervous, Like a, like it's a game or something.
1: But, I, but nerves are always a good thing for me when I was playing. So fantastic, fantastic. So what we do is we go through David's best eleven players he's ever managed in um, in his managerial career, all the way through from all the way through from Nuneaton, all the way down to um, Tottenham. His um, number of times at Tottenham. Now, as he goes through, he's going to name his formation. And he's also going to then give us a few clues so you people listening at home can try and have a few guesses and see if you can guess the player David has named. So we will hand straight over to you, David, because they're not here to listen to myself or Marvin. What's your formation? What formation have you picked
2: for this team and why? Well, I was very lucky at Tottenham to kind of not introduce, but to work with a formation which was 4-5-1, which did amazingly well. We scored a lot of goals and we were very successful, um, although falling... Uh, at the last hurdle in an FA Cup final. Um, And the goalkeeper is straightforward. I'm going for a 4-3-3, which people do. I have to tell you, there are so many good players who are left out of the eleven that I feel rather embarrassed that they are missing. Um, But it's been a real good exercise for me to try and uh, picture an eleven, An eleven for different reasons. Anyway, my first one would be the goalkeeper, And the clue on the goalkeeper is very simple. Ron Saunders uh, wouldn't allow him to keep his club car when he left for Bedfordshire. Now, I've got to tell you, I had other great goalkeepers, two England goalkeepers. One was called Chris Woods at Sheffield Wednesday and one was called Ray Clements, sadly departed now, who was at uh, Tottenham. But the clue, once again, Ron Saunders wouldn't allow him to keep his club car when he left for Bedfordshire. Is is this is this player was he was he an international gaffer? No.
1: No. When he left Bedfordshire. He's a
2: goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest, he, Greatest line with big hands.
1: Did he play at Luton? Of
0: course, yes, he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna go you got it, Andrew. Got it. I'm gonna
1: go Les Seeley. No. Nope. Is he Scottish? He is indeed. It's the other one. Jake Finley? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Jake Finley. He has been in so many teams and yeah. I don't know whether or not Luton fans maybe don't give him the accolades he deserves.
2: Is that something that you think could be true, David? He was a very strong goalkeeper. He was big. He had presence. He commanded the goal. Um, he was a goalkeeper I liked. He came amongst bodies. Complete contrast to Les Sealy, who I had at Luton, who was a very good line goalkeeper. Andy Dibble was also someone who came in much bodies. But I felt that Finlay, had all the makings, had he been a really dedicated professional, he had injuries, um, he, he would have had a really long career in the game, as it was. He had a very successful career. He was a great character in the dressing room. Uh, he, to me, he was a top goalkeeper. And I always had problems with goalkeepers. I had one or two that uh, had the American boy Casey Keller they didn't do so well for me at Tottenham. I had a boy called Martin Hodge they didn't do so well for me at Leicester. Um, I had a pressman at that Le- at Shepherd Wednesday, so I had a lot of goalkeepers. But Finley's up there, yeah. They
1: say he was really good with his foot with his feet, and actually, in today's modern yeah. game, would actually do a lot better, maybe even, and be appreciated a bit more. Is that something you experienced on
2: training ground on pitches? Well, we didn't pass the ball out so much in those days, I'll be honest with you. We didn't work from the back like they do in the modern game so much, like working through the field. Uh, We tended to kick it long and we kicked it towards the left-hand side. I mean, I can remember we used to have Mick Harford pulling out wide. I mean, we had so many very good players at Luton. But yeah, Finley had a good kick. Most goalkeepers did. But um, uh, he was, I just remember him as a very brave, exceptionally good shot stopper. Just a fine goalkeeper. Fantastic.
1: Fantastic. So, uh, Jake Finley's in goal. We move on. Do you want to go number two or number three? Left-back or
2: right-back? We're oh, going to the right-back. You're back in back 4 And the clue is he had fractured English, but he was the smoothest fullback I ever worked with. And he settled for Chelsea. This is your favourite player, Andrew, I think. I know From... this is,
1: yes. I loved him. He was named in Frank Sinclair's best
2: 11 as well, I think.
1: Is his yes, name Mr. Dan Petrescu of Sheffield Wednesday?
2: He is indeed. I have sold him under pressure, terrible pressure by his agent, almost to the fact that uh, I was uh, scared stiff. Uh, but anyway, the chairman conceded. Um, the chairman conceded, and we had to sell him to Chelsea. It was a sad day. He played very, very well for Chelsea as a wing back. As a wing back, as we, we he was fantastic. He had the timing, the the brains. He uh, was Romanian. He got inside the opposing fullback so brilliantly on those blindside runs. Absolutely outstanding, Dan Petrescu. We sold him to Chelsea. Problem was at Sheffield Wednesday, if he wanted to go back to Romania to play in internationals or see his family, we had to catch the bus to sue Manchester, the flight to Heathrow, another flight to Bucharest. And in the end, I think he got fed up of that. And I think his wife, like Harrods, he thought that he would be near Heathrow Airport. And in the end, we conceded.
0: He went to chelsea sad day for sheffield i mean gaffer so going back i mean your pun intended um agent was i mean was his agent really quite consistent I, I mean i doubt you was scared of him but i mean agent are they were they Were quite like um what's the word i'm looking for to be politically correct like a lot of pressure on you to lost the your general? sound Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was, was it more the case about ultimation? Like, you know, if you don't get Ultim- him a move... Uh, then- if, um,
2: if you don't sell him, he's not going to play in the team. Um, the consequences of uh, challenging this rather... The guy who went to prison eventually, McCarley. you can look him up. Um, it, it was really threatening situation. Yeah.
1: Right. Wow. 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 Um, so Dan Petrescu is right back. Um, The Romanian right wing-back. Who's going to left-back, David? The Left-back
2: is a quiet Irishman signed from Lawn for £5,000 and 500 games later was sold to Manchester United for £500,000 after around 500 games. Quite remarkable. A quiet Irishman. Played in the centre of defence, but his first games for Luton were as a left-back. And that's where I put him in the team. Super Mal, Mal Donaghy. Mal Donaghy is correct. Yeah. What made you change his um, position? Uh, Mal could play anywhere. He was a natural footballer, gifted, a uh, natural athlete. He was quick. He was strong, brave. Um, an interesting player. Didn't want to warm up particularly before the game. Went out at five to three, and he was he'd left the ground by five o'clock on a Saturday. He was. Um, uh, very well respected by the other players but in a strange way he wasn't one of the crowd um, he was very independent boy family boy um, and uh, socially didn't mix that much with the others but a uh, very fine player of course famous for in 1982 he got sent off for Northern Ireland against Spain in a great Nor- Northern Ireland victory in Spain 1-0 1982 World Cup yeah. when uh, Armstrong got sent off for, for Northern Ireland Sorry, yes. Mal got sent off for Northern yeah. Ireland. Armstrong yeah. scored the goal, 1-0. Fantastic.
1: So That's you right. picked Mal, so sorry, um, so on. you picked Mal, so Mal Donaghy is in, a, um, obviously there. You said, you mentioned that he's um, a bit of a quiet person. In terms of when you, when you create a team, do you want a mixture of characters or is it a case of you want all boisterous or do you want all quiet? What type no. of thing do you go for?
2: No, it's like everything in life you want to balance, whether it's left footers, right footers, big guys, small guys, skillful guys, strong guys. I don't think you can go into their character too much on the actual day you sign them. You have to know a little bit about them. I went to see Don again in an under 23 game in Ireland, and one of the things that struck me was he got a bad injury or a real kick and he went down injured. And you know what? he didn't want the trainer on. He limped on. He limped on for the next 10 minutes and gradually got back into his stride. He was brave. He was um, game came easy to Donaghy. He was a very interesting uh, character, um, and obviously went to cover. Alex. rang me and I recommended him. I said, "Look, he won't let you down. You'll sleep easy at night with him in your in your club." He was mainly a sub at Man United. Then he prolonged his career even more. He had two years at Chelsea.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely Marvin. Yeah,
2: I was going to say,
0: Gaff. Um, obviously, Andrew spoke about your um, playing career, but. I- I want to ask you a question. How early was it while why you were still playing that you thought about going into coaching and obviously being the, on the manager side of things?
2: Yes, I was um, well uh, quite early, Marvin, because in many ways I had injuries, as you indeed yourself. Mm. And um, I had a bad back problem. I had a, a broken leg, an ankle. And uh, my career was going, you could say, steadily downwards. Uh, outstanding at 16, 17, 18. Um, not maintaining that progress for all sorts of reasons uh, amongst them injuries. And uh, I, I was playing at Peterborough. I was 28. And I got a call from Brian Clough and Peter Taylor at Forest saying there's a vacancy at Nuneaton. Would you like to take it? I said, I'm not ready to be a manager yet. I'm only 28. I was already taking my coaching certificates and enjoyed coaching. And I enjoyed leading people. And I was a union representative all through my career. Um, and they... I said, I'm not ready yet. And Taylor said to me, you must be joking. You'll, you'll murder it. He said, the, half the managers are crap.
1: <laughs>
2: Which made me feel great. So I took the job. I had two and a half seasons there and then uh, Harry Haslam uh, brought me into Luton and um, I, I went on from there. Okay. Fantastic.
1: Did you always want to be a manager or were you thinking about coaching? Because I know you said you did your badges. Did you always want to be That's-
2: the person? a yes, good point, Andrew. I was, uh, went into coaching without... Well, obviously, I was a player manager at Nuneaton. But when I went to Luton as a coach, I was grateful for the opportunity and didn't think of managing. But what happened was um, Harry Haslam got uh, an opportunity... The coach left to go to Detroit Express with Jimmy Hill a long time ago, uh, Roy McCrowan. Um, Harry Haslam then got an opportunity to go to Sheffield United, and I had the coaching reins at the time with Danny Bagara, who I respected greatly. He's now passed away, poor Danny. And um, the opportunity, this chairman came to me and said, We'd like you to manage the club. Um, it's very difficult for me. I remember I never ate for two days. Is, all of a sudden, when you actually sit in the seat, it's completely different from being a number two or a coach. You have to make the final decision. And you feel the weight of the world is on your shoulders. It's not just the supporters that are looking and watching every move you make. You think the whole world's watching. And of course, they're not. But it's difficult to get it into perspective. Um, Anyway, Roy left. Danny decided to go to Sheffield United with Harry Haslam. And they gave me the reins. I lost my first game 4-0. The supporters must have been thinking, what have we done here? We've we've got this apprentice as manager. We should sack him. But um, they stuck with me. And um, we started to do very, very well in the eighties. Wonderful period of my my life. Wonderful period.
1: Yes, definitely. And I'll thank you on behalf of all Luton fans right now for that moment, amongst other moments. It was, um, it was, yeah, probably one of the best periods in the in the club's history, without a doubt. In terms of sustained, it definitely was there. I think so. Thank you for that, David. Um, centre backs.
2: <laughs> yeah. A centre back headband. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're, okay oh
0: this is okay. yeah we'll go fuzzy i mean um again um i before you speak about him he was one um who i was i mean looked up to gaff obviously being a, a young um apprentice and stuff and coming through the ranks and it was when andrew and i spoke it was one of the top three guests i wanted to get on here because of like what he stood for, for me as a, as a player and as a captain and as a leader. Um, so it was great that we've had him on just recently, wasn't it, Mandy? Just this, yeah. this season we've had him on. So yeah, Steve Foster.
2: Yeah, well, you've encapsulated his qualities and um, he was a strong man, didn't train hard, um, didn't run too much, knew how to defend, knew how to defend the box, tended to sit deep. But as long as the rest of the team were happy with that, and I was happy with the formation, um, he was completely different to a very good young centre-halves sign, Paul Elliott. Paul wanted to push out and show his speed on recovery runs. But Foster would keep, he, he was like a penguin with his flapping his arms. And when he flapped <laughs> his arms, it meant that uh, whoever the fullbacks backs it could have been Tim Breaker, Wayne Turner, Marquez, it means that they had to come in close to him because he wanted protection. He knew how to protect himself. He knew how what he was good at. If they wanted to cross the ball, fine. I've got a chance of heading it away um it, it was a quiet man foster wasn't bullish yeah. wasn't uh, a big head um knew his weight i remember saying to him you're too heavy you need to l- lose weight he said no he used the word gaffer no gaffer i know my best weight trust me and i trusted him and uh, he was a very good center half very good center half oh, fantastic Absolutely. Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. And you mentioned that in terms of qualities of centre-halves, do you like a balance then? You said about Elliot, you well, like the speed. Right footer
2: left footer. Yeah, ideal a right-footer and left-footer, one who mops up everything in the air, is very strong and accomplished in the air, and one who's a very good reader of the game. So we had an ideal combination, Foster and Donaghy. I've moved Donaghy to left-back. So, But um, in my team, in this imaginary team, I've got two right-footers, and the next one I'm coming to is another right-footer, and he's a Scot, and I'll say that he was as brave as a lion, as quick as a cheetah, and won most of his medals in Scotland. So did he? Did he go on to be a manager as well? He managed for a brief time in Scotland. Yeah. Yes, I think he now lives in a country called the United States.
1: Yes, and I think he won most of his stuff at Rangers. If I got in the right side, Glasgow. Yeah. Very good, Andrew. Yeah. it,
2: yeah. Andrew.
1: Richard Goff?
2: Good, Andrew. Yeah. Spot yeah.
1: On. You got him from. Boy him Spurs, did you? So
2: he was one of your first signings. Is that right? He was indeed. He came from Dundee. I had a job to get him. He was a lot of money. And we doubled our money in 15 months. He wanted to go back to Scotland. He told me, maybe slightly unfair, he had a domestic problem. I had to get back to Scotland. Uh, Glasgow Rangers went round the back door. And because um, uh, Dundee would never sell to... Uh, Dundee had a great manager called Jim McLean. They would never sell to Rangers, never sell to a Scottish rival. And he kept those players under lock and key, Jim McLean. And Jim McLean, uh, I managed to to sign him. He was so athletic, so quick. Um, He was only at Tottenham 15 months, but he was a hero. He was a real, what's the word, a buccaneer of a centre-half. A bit of a wild Indian at times. Chased the ball completely the reverse of Foster. But um, he, he was a very accomplished player, Scottish international And he wanted to go back to Scotland and we agreed a price. We doubled our money in 15 months. We got nearly £2 million for him. Um, I wish he hadn't gone. Um, At the time we signed him, I was in for Butcher as well. And it was ironic. Butcher went to Glasgow Rangers and Goff joined him a year later. And I think he won nine consecutive championship medals in Scotland. I used to say to him, come back to England, challenge yourself. And in his heyday, his swan song, he did come back to England. He played very briefly at Everton and Forest. Um, and then I think he settled in America. I speak to him from time to time, Richard Goff. He used to speak to Walter Smith and myself, if he ever wanted advice. Um, I hope we gave him good advice. But um, he he was a a top centre-back. So there's your back four, Petrescu, Foster, Goff and Donaghy. Excellent. Fantastic. Before before we go
0: there, I mean, I think most players and coaches or managers alike who know you know... What research you did going into players? I mean, your knowledge of players was like ridiculous, is off the chart. Do you feel well, that it was, inter- it was ridiculous and exaggerated,
2: Marvin?
0: <laughs> but in today's game, gaffer, though, I mean, if you were, was managing, like for instance, Mister, let's take Pep Guardiola, he's not going to be doing the stuff looking at players. He has to rely on other yeah. people of his staff to do that. Do you think that's would would that have taken a little bit away from the from you as a manager today? Because I know how much you
2: love going to games. In those days, we used to be out watching players all the time. We used to have our contacts. We used to follow them up. I did wonderfully well for a man called Cyril Beach who bought me Welsh players, wonderful Welsh players like Hartson, Pembridge, Kerry Hughes, Jason Rees, Kurt Nogan, Uh, all came from a little guy. Well, he was an ex-pro at Swansea called Cyril Beach. Wonderful guy, now passed away. And so I had scouts. I had a man called Dave Gibbons in the Midlands who sent me up uh, Frankie Bunn, uh, Cole, um, Michael Small. So we had scouts. We even had, we even had a scout, I think, in a place called Aylesbury or Leighton Buzzard that found a lad called Marvin Johnson. I don't know <laughs> if you remember him.
1: <laughs> Fantastic, Phil. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to pause it there. And then when we come back from our break, we will continue on with David's Pleats My Best 11.
0: Add some art to your Adidas' with Dazzlers Craft Custom Trainers. Based in Exeter, UK, our small team of designers handcraft your Adidas with your favourite designs. From your favourite football team or your favourite player to your favourite band. All our current designs are available to view on our website. Dazzlerscraft.co.uk. If you prefer, you can also commission your own bespoke design and let us get creative. Just give us a few ideas and leave the rest to us. Dazzlerscraft bringing you ideas to life. Dazzlerscraft.co.uk.
1: Welcome back to the second part of David Fleet's My Best Eleven. We're going to launch straight into Mars 60 Seconds where Marv will have 60 seconds to fire as many questions as he can to David, and David will answer them as quick as he can. We don't need why, just whatever comes into your head straight away. Over to you, Marv. Okay, Gaffer, best
0: ground or football stadium you ever managed at?
2: Very difficult. I have been to Barcelona for a pre-season tournament. I have managed at Wembley, and I've managed at Liverpool. I think Liverpool... The singing before the game definitely hairs on the back of your neck. So, okay. And so Liverpool, but say to present Tottenham Stadium.
0: Absolutely
2: right. fantastic. Favorite of a
0: sport other than football? Football. Okay. If you could change, oh, here's a good one. I think this would be a good answer. If you could change one rule in today's game, what would it be?
2: Ah, oh, yeah. I think I'd move the technical areas further away from each other and make them further <laughs> apart. <laughs> Okay, Messi or Ronaldo? I, I I have to go for Messi because I think that he's he's brave, he's quick, he can dribble, he can head, he can do everything for a small man. I I, I go for Messi. I think Messi has been incredible. I think Ronaldo is a, a, a credit to himself and his dedication, but I go for Messi.
0: Okay. In the current
2: current players.
0: Yep. Funniest player you ever managed? You've come across funniest player
2: in your opinion? Well, uh, David Moss, an outside left at Luton, had a wonderful, droll sense of humour. Okay. I've met many comedians, real life, as well as on the football field. Eric Morecambe at Luton was a lovely, lovely man. He was a director who I got quite close to at Luton. Um, but uh, a lot of footballers are, are jokers, they're funny guys, uh, they make you laugh. You need them, you need that camaraderie in a club. But I'm going to go for David Moss because he was kind of a, a wit, sarcastic wit, perhaps at times. But right. he was Mossy was funny. Okay, last one is it, Andrew. Yep, last one. Okay,
0: if you could manage any club, which club would that have been? Oh
2: dear, dear, dear. I was lucky. Luton and Tottenham. They were they were my clubs. Luton and Tottenham, and I. I don't know another club. Right. Luton and Tottenham. I don't look. Excellent. I wouldn't never look beyond that. Never look beyond that.
1: Fantastic. Are they still the two clubs you look for on a Saturday, or say Saturday, but you know what I mean?
2: Well, I'm still, luckily enough, I am still working. I'm still a consultant at Tottenham. So yeah. Tottenham means everything to me at the moment. Um, I still uh, enjoy watching Luton and wanting them to do well, but uh, Tottenham consumes my time at the moment.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. You so you mentioned a new ground. you reckon it's the best ground in the world at the moment? Um, I, what makes I you say that?
2: that. Well, the grounds I've been to, certainly it's the best, the best stadium in the world, yes. Yeah,
1: what makes you say that? What is it they've done? What do you think they? Is it uh, playing? So you're talking from a player, or a manager, or a fan, or a... Everything.
2: everything? Playing service. The the panels that come into the American football. The uh, the, the 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 bars. The the twenty yard restaurants. The um the, the the boxes. Um, it's it's uh, the most plushish, uh area. It's just a wonderful viewing stadium. Uh, the Behind the goal to the right-hand side, which is the Paxton Road, uh, incredible height. It's, it's, it's like Bayern. I can describe it as similar to, uh, uh, to Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Uh, great, great, just great atmospheres. It's, yeah. it's, it really is a wonderful stadium. Wonderful. And all the, the gizmos, the gadgets, if you like. They, they sell beer now, where the beer... It's filled up from underneath the glass. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they do. <laughs> the beer, the pint of beer gets filled up in two seconds. I don't know about much about technology.
1: <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So, so far you've named a back four, um, and we're going to move on to midfield. And I'll leave it to you where you want to start. Obviously, you've got
2: um, well, I've, I've, I've three midfield players of, 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 um, for different reasons. The first one is a player who was uh, clinical clean-cut, Scottish, had to sell him and won a league championship medal at Leeds United. You got it, Andrew? Yeah, You have? Yes. I haven't.
1: He played at Liverpool and won the Europa, whatever it was called, in 2000... It was 2001 yeah, yeah. where they won the treble. He was yeah, there. Well, yeah, yeah, big yeah. season
2: for Liverpool with Julio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Andrew.
1: Spot on. Yeah. He played for Leeds. Uh, yes. And you'd have played with him, you'd have managed him at Leicester.
2: Correct, correct. He's oh, a top yes, man. Yes, yes. Sold him, under, sold him once again under pressure. Agreed with him that he could go at the end of that season. I'd already sold, unfortunately, Russell Osmond, who was my quality centre-half. Um, um, G- uh, Newell wanted to go as, as a consequence of McAllister going. I just The team just dissolved. Lost yes. my three best players. And they went to Howard Wilkinson, changed the way Leeds played. They were a very direct team. Him and Stracken changed the way they played. And um, he won the medal in, I think it was the very first year of the Premiership at uh, Leeds United. And of course, he went on to Liverpool and Coventry, had a spell as a manager, top class person, currently assistant to Gerard at Glasgow Rangers.
1: That's where he is. Yeah. So I remember well, I was wondering where I saw him the other day. Yeah, because yeah. Gerard had COVID, didn't he? So he had to take on the Europa
2: and the old firm,
1: didn't he, last weekend?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So he. he one of my creative midfield players
1: so when you said you you obviously you, you got with re- Strachan left oh sorry Strachan say you got him in my mind sorry um McAllister McAllister left what do you do in that situation do you go out and try and find a ready replacement do you want to bring a youth player in or is it dependent on the
2: expectations of the club now the club were very happy with me because I was getting in pounds but not points they were happy um no, we, we couldn't find him. I tried to replace him with a lad called Billy Davis from Scotland. He was a little midfield player. I gave him a number number 10 shirt. It was the worst thing I ever did because I compared him with McAllister. And that, that's a mistake that I learnt. Um, and um, it didn't work out. I did the same thing at Tottenham. I replaced a very good player with Johnny Method, top player, and with the same number, and that didn't work. So um, give him a different role. It's like Tottenham now replacing Harry Kane and trying to find a number 9. Maybe if they do replace Harry Kane eventually, which they will, um, give the player another number. Not the oh, same. No. Harry Harry wears 10. So you wouldn't give him the... They you mustn't... How can I put it? You mustn't try and replicate something. You must try and change something. Maybe we perhaps change the way we played. Perhaps we should have been more direct. We played through McAllister through the midfield. Anyway, McAllister is a top, top player. A top professional. Dressed smartly. Nearly sold into Forrest. Met Ryan Clough. And unfortunately, Brian was late for the meeting and he, I don't know, Gary, anyway, Gary came back and said, I won't, I won't be signing for Forrest. And um, he went to Leeds with Howard Wilkinson. Wow. And the rest is history. So next to Gary McAllister. The centre midfield player is a man called Nobby, captain courageous, a leader, top man. He did a thousand games as a manager, did a thousand games as a player. And now, like myself, he's only just semi-retired. Brian Horton. Correct. Absolutely. A a top man, a top captain, someone I confided in as a captain. Very close to the players, but very close to me. The players respected him. He tells me a great story about a player called Mark Azlewood, who when uh, Horton was in the treatment room, and so was Azlewood, and there was a phone call to the physio called John Sheridan. And the phone call was from me in the office, and it said, can you send Brian Horton up, right? So Hazelwood heard this, and Hazelwood said evidently, oh, you're going up to pick the team again, are you? So Horton replied to him, yes, and you won't be in it. <laughs> uh, so, they, but they, no, they trusted him. He was, he was uh, listen, absolutely top man, top professional, could, cannot speak highly enough of him came to Luton from Brighton in exchange for I call Tony Grealish, Paddy, and uh, Horton, with it, well, through the glory years, really, absolutely. And I recommended him as a manager to Don Robinson, chairman of Hull at the time. It was at a dinner in London, and Jack Charlton came over to me, said, the chairman of Hull would like to speak to you. I went over to his table, Jack was on his table, Don Robinson, and he said to me very clearly, tell me about the boy Horton. Would he be capable of managing our club? And I said, Mr Robinson, you'll be able to sleep easy at night. He went on to manage Hull and several other clubs, including Manchester City. Um, loved the game. Finished at lower leagues at Macclesfield, South End, And um, is now in semi-retirement. Watches Manchester City play. Top man. Top man. Leader. I
0: mean, we've had a, I've been quite a few, obviously, ex-players on here, Gaffer. And, it, and they've spoke about uh, his qualities. And one of the... Um, things that stood out, was was consistent with a lot of them um, mentioned about the Brian Horton glare. He had this stare where he used to like, if you did something wrong, he didn't have to say nothing. But I mean, Rob Johnson, like, mentioned it really perfectly. He said like, Marv, I could just feel these eyes glaring at me without him saying, anything. And I look at him and he'll uh, have this stare, It will be just staring at me.
2: Brilliant, Marv, absolutely brilliant story. I mean, my worry was when he used to stare at the referees. That was the worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fantastic. So you're very well known at, at, at Luton and, and other clubs as well for bringing U-team players through, Marv being one of them, um, obviously helping them come through and nurturing them through uh, the U-teams. Was that something that you always set out to do? Is that a real thing that you wanted to do or is it
2: a more of a necessity? It's a very good question, Andrew. That Brilliant. It's a near necessity because at Luton we had limited resources. So it was great for me because I had, in a way, although I didn't realise it at the time, no option. We couldn't use a transfer market in those early days. We had to produce our own. We had to spot the Steens and the Ricky Hills, which I was very, what's the word, do take credit for. Um, And we, and the Donaghy's, 5000, Steen, Hill, wherever you look, Moss. Um, But it was the, the young players too. Ray Daniel, Gary Parker, Tim Breaker, Mitchell Thomas. It was probably out of necessity. And my greatest gripe with these lower league teams now in England, Division 1 and 2. They will not bring young players into the team. They continually, at the end of every season, let their old sweats go. Contracts expired. And bring in more old sweats from other clubs. Recipe for disaster. The only way to manage a lower league team, is to say to the chairman quite clearly at the start, I'm going to push in one or two youth players every season and give them a real opportunity. And if they get better, which they will, they will be able to give you a chance of, of selling him and and maintain and getting enough money to help survive the club over the next couple of years. They don't do it. Only Crew Alexander has followed a policy over the years, and now not so much at Crew. But you knew that whenever you watch Crew, you could watch young players. You can watch other teams and you see hardy ex-professionals, good luck to them. Yeah. They're getting a living, and I, I, I admire them. They love the game. But you have to bring young players through. You, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute necessity.
1: Yeah. Did he give you a lot of pride when you saw some of these players come through as well? I know you say necessity, but also, surely there must be yeah. as a coach
2: in you. Massive pride. Massive pride to see Hill get picked for England. Harford get picked for England. Steen get picked for England a uh, Donaghy regular for Ireland, a Grealish Republic of Ireland. I mean, Aslewood, Wales. I mean, you, you can imagine uh, when I sit and reflect, massive pride, I can assure you. And further pride when these players, after finishing football, went into coaching like Marvin and management, a lot of them. And I always think maybe they learned something from me. And of course, I've forgotten one of the most heroic players of all time at Newton. Radimir Antic, a wonderful, wonderful person, a wonderful family, an inspirational player, uh, and someone I looked up to. Quite frankly, I looked up to. He was such a gentleman. He was such a fine man. I could not necessarily have seen him going into coaching. In 1996 or 95, he got the double with Atletico Madrid. He won the Cup and the League. Can you imagine what a feat that was for Atletico Madrid in those years? To beat Barcelona and Real Madrid. And of course, later on he went to manage both Barcelona and Real Madrid. He was my one of my heroes as a player. Wonderful, wonderful player. One incredible signing from Saragossa. I was a lucky man. I got Radio to salute and and um, sadly in the last year you know he passed away. Incredible. Oh, what a gentleman. I have to mention Radian Teach. Right. You, know, you you mentioned that um, you hope
0: that some some of the players you've coached and managed, um, you had an influence on you. You definitely had an influence on me, yeah, for while I'm here in America. Um, and from when I started coaching, because I mean, it, it was what I call the loot and way, the ball on the ground, pass and move, pass and move. I just I just can't I can't understand sometimes. I mean, obviously there's managers who need results, so obviously from back to front to go direct it's just not enjoyable for me and then even now yeah. when I coach the girls and boys it's like if if we get beat and it's a case where we play team off the park I go home I know obviously the parents and everyone's like oh we lost we lost but I know I enjoy the game if we win a game it's like back to front there's a, a big hoof at the end and it's like mm, I've not enjoyed that as much
2: I do, it's hard to explain I just don't No, you can't explain it. There's no greater pleasure than winning and playing well. Yeah. I get disappointed sometimes. We could win, but if we hadn't played well, I was strange. I was a bit odd, perhaps. I didn't think that winning was the be all and end all. The game, playing well, moving well, playing off the ball, people moving, looking for angles, passing angles, that was football. It's a game of beauty. I want to win. But in the end, that type of football will win more games than it loses. And that's the point, to encourage players to play properly, to play well. If we all played the direct game, my argument against Watford Football Club and Graham Taylor, not an argument because we all have a philosophy. But if everyone played that way, the game would go to the wall because it's not a spectacle. It's not clever. It's fine if you play that type of game against a, a, a team that plays consecutive passes. Uh, fine, you know, and it's up to your philosophy to beat that philosophy. But my argument was there was a lot of short-termism on that way of playing, that Warnock, Graham Taylor, I can tell you a few people, Porterfield years ago, there were certain people that played that way and they did quite well for a short period and then moved on to other clubs on the back of the success. Um, but we, we could play against a long ball team, but um, the beauty of the game is like a ballet, it's like playing for enjoyment, lots of touches, um, lots of creativity. Create. Yeah. It's a game of beauty, football.
1: I agree. Totally agree.
2: You, definitely, definitely. So
1: who's going next to Brian and Gary?
2: Well, it's a man called, um, well, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he could put a ball on sixpence, he could play with both feet um, and he went, eventually went abroad. So I'm like, trying Did to he go to uh, Monaco? Yes, he did indeed. Well done. Brilliant. He went to Monaco. We agreed to go to Saint-Étienne with Gérald hulier But in the last minute, the agent, who's now passed away, uh, manoeuvred him to Monaco. But uh, Glenn Hoddle was an interesting character. Uh, I shan't go into it too much. He was, uh, uh, in a strange way, people were in awe of Glenn. And of course, he became the manager when I was director of football and then, um, we, we, we had a far better relationship towards the end of his period. Probably when he was struggling more, he, he kind of confided in me more. But um, he was very independent. But as a player, he could play a crossfield ball. He could play the short ball. He could play the. Cle- he had all the things they call it in the the, uh, the irons in your locker. That, right. that type of thing. Yeah. Had all the clubs in his locker. He could do anything with a ball. Uh, he was a tall, six foot one hodl definitely. Um, but for one so tall to be so skillful on the ball, great credit to him. I mean, he was a fine player, of course, a very fine player, and he's still considered the legend of White Hart Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say he's probably arguably the best, like, technical or creative player you've managed Gaffer? You no, know, that's difficult. And Teach was good. Ricky Hill was good. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult to say. Marvin, I always steer clear of that best because you you, you try to define it as the best creative. Often people ask me who was the best player you ever managed or played with or whatever, and I say, the best at what? Because everyone's got a different attribute. Everyone's got a different Mm. skill. Um, Hoddle probably was the best long passer. Um, He was probably the cleverest short passer. So, uh, you know, in terms of was he the hardest working player? No. Could he do his defensive duties well? No. No. I've had good players I mean I mentioned McAllister I mentioned uh, you you could talk Ricky Hill John Sheridan was very clever at Sheffield Wednesday but his legs had gone he couldn't run so I couldn't uh, play him enough You had um, Chris Waddle at Sheffield Wednesday as well was he there then? Yeah, we took, we just we we're, we're concentrating on the midfield at the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, can I just ask another question, David? Did you ever get an opportunity? You mentioned Monaco. Did you ever get an opportunity to manage abroad, and would it have interested you?
2: Yes, indeed. I went to speak to Olympiakos in Piraeus in Greece and decided it wasn't for me. People said you should get your termination money before you start when you manage in Greece. <laughs> Uh, because they uh, unfortunately were unreliable. And the man that took the job at Olympiacos, he was a Dutchman, Librix. Uh, he got the sack within about three months. So I made a wise decision there, plus the fact there was about 22 men in a room f- full of smoke uh, giving me, uh, qu- questioning me. Now, I don't mind being questioned from two men in America, but I didn't fancy 20 Greeks telling me how I should run the club in Greece, I didn't think I would be able to cope with that, so um, I turned that I I, I pulled away from that one, and then uh, later on, a journey sprang me from Greece uh, from Italy uh, from Spain, thinking I could speak Spanish fluently because I visited Spain from time to time, and um, I told him I couldn't, um, but I think I would have had a chance to, yes, he said I could have gone to Spain, I I would definitely have been considered for the job. I think it was. You know, I'm not quite sure whether it was Atletico or Seville, but it was a decent club, Um, but it didn't come to pass. And um, maybe I wasn't brave enough to take an opportunity abroad. But I say to people now who are coaching, learn Spanish, learn another language, because you don't know what opportunities develop abroad. And that's why I admire anyone who's been involved in football, who's gone to other lands to not just progress their career, but use their skills and information to impart on others.
1: Yeah, especially in non-English-speaking countries as well. No, I definitely agree with you. Yeah,
2: absolutely, Andrew, yeah.
1: Definitely. So, so there's, your, there's your three midfields, yeah, up front or how are you playing uh, them? Are you playing one centre and two, you playing the, the, the English yeah, yes, way up they up play at the, the it moment?
2: It. Yeah, the modern idiom, yeah, too wide. Anyway, the one on the right uh, is a Geordie who could turn a tin can inside out.
1: I think I have have said him
2: already. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't 10. mean I didn't mean to spoil it. <laughs> no, I could have given you an Italian who knew where the goals were. was a great, skillful player, but he hit a referee and made his mark at West Ham. But I was the one that signed him from Glasgow Celtic for Chevrolet Wednesday, Di Canio. But yeah. um, he was an abrasive character. Uh, could be brilliant, could be lazy. But when he was brilliant, he was super brilliant. Well, I'll go for Waddle because I had him at Tottenham and Sheffield Wednesday. And he's a nice guy, family guy, good feet, right and left foot and um, very skillful. He wanted to play off the front at uh, Tottenham in my five-man midfield. I said he couldn't. hoddle has got to stay there. You've got to stay wide. He didn't enjoy it, but he was great at it. And eventually he got his wish. He played off the front. And of course, he went to play with Papan and other great players in uh, Marseille. Yeah. Chris Waddle. Who would be my outside right as such. Yep, Very okay. difficult. Up front because there were so many people. I, I, you know, Brian Steen should get in any team, really, because Brian Steen is a wonderful, wonderful player. In fact, I, I put him right at the, the top of players. I, I mean, I took him from Edgeware Town and he was, he was fantastic. got so much pride when he played for England. I, th- I thought the world of Brian Steen. I thought he was a fantastic player. Um, and really he should be in the team. But, As the main front man, it was very difficult. I had Mick Harford, took him from (coughs) Birmingham City Reserves. And um, I think in December 84, he's just put a a picture on his website or something. He's not so well at the moment. He's having some treatment. And he put a picture on his website. The the best day I ever had. And it was this this photo of a young looking me with him, him signing for Luton. Uh, that was the day when Luton got their jewel because he's been great for Luton. Mick Carford, I've had other centre forwards. Mike Newell run all day. Signed from Wigan for next to nothing for Luton. Um, but anyway, that's not my centre forward. The, the man leading the line just knew where how to hit the net. You almost got to fifty. Oh, um,
0: he's got a fame. Are they a famous family? met um cousins and
2: stuff in the f- yeah. in, in, in football. Alan, Bradley, Marvin, Bradley, yeah, right Bradley, yeah, Bradley's now coaching at Luton. Um, Paul Allen is working for the FA. Martin Allen is an ambassador at um, uh, to West Ham. And uh, Oliver, that's the son of Clive, is a stockbroker. So there you have. <laughs> and there's the family. Um, Supply so Allen. Allen, yeah, Goal scorer. Goals, just knew where the goals were. First game for Tottenham, I had him. He got a hat trick at the Villa first game, and he went on and on and on, 49 goals he wasn't the bravest, he wasn't the quickest, he wasn't the strongest, he knew where the goals were, Yeah. he had an amazing ability, he knew where those posts were and he trained hard every Friday I used to take him out and he used to hit 20 volleys into a small tiny goal uh, on a Friday before the game uh, it, 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 Clive Allen You've just goals he scored goals. Whether it was Arsenal, Q, Arsenal briefly a month, QPR, um, Wherever he went, he scored goals. He was, he was a, a natural goal scorer. wasn't the tallest, and as I say, he was a phenomenon really because uh, he, 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 you know, you usually say about a goal scorer what was his outstanding quality? Was he absolute quick? Was he absolutely brave? Was he absolute brilliant in the air? What 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 was he good at? Clive Allen just scored goals. Just right. scored goals.
1: Oh, definitely, and and do you think that he's given? Obviously, you're, I'm not a Spurs fan. Um, Marv isn't. Obviously, you're very close to Spurs. Is he? Is he given the the accolades by Spurs that you think he deserves?
2: I think so. Yes, I think. Though he worked as a coach there, and then one or two things happened, and he he, he left that coaching role. He's do, that, that, that doing now some summarising on French football or what have you. But uh, club's fine. He's he used to go to. Um, the B in sports at Qatar, uh, Doha, um, and do a quite a little bit for them. But um, no, Clive's fine. He, um, I think he's been. I think he was given the credit. I mean, his his goals record is is fantastic. Whether Harry Kane can ever get forty nine goals in a season, I don't know. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope it's this season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. So, Clive Allen being fed by Chris Waddle, and who else is feeding
2: Cl- Clive Allen? Well, this- yeah, a, t- a two-footed scorer, a maker and taker of goals, a bargain from Wiltshire. Have you got it, Marv? I wanted you to think give you a I think,
0: I, I, think I, I, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. I mean, I don't know if he was from Wiltshire. That, Wiltshire. Did, uh, he, he, he
2: played Luton, yes? Yes, brilliant, Marvin, you've got it. Yeah. Oh, I think Swindon's in Wiltshire, isn't it, Marvin? Or am I, is my geography getting worse? Swindon is, yeah. Yeah, yeah Swindon is,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like like he, correct, he, he, he's correct currently he's, he's currently working for liverpool, Is he scouting for liverpool is he think, no I mean, he's, retired.
2: he's retired. Yeah, retired
0: now
2: yeah definitely retired top class lad yeah um fantastic for me terrific winner and he came from Swindon, which is in Wiltshire Marvin yes correct because we uh, spoke
0: about uh, we sp-
2: I'll send you we a map <laughs> if you give me
1: your
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we spoke about um like I think it was Wayne Wayne Turner we had on he said um have you got it, Andrew? Before I'm. You got, Andrew, you know who it is? Andrew? I should.
1: What is it? Mossy? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I should. So, um, yeah. We were talking about um, players like David Moss, who was, I mean, he's a little bit before my time um, when I got into Luton um, as an apprentice, but the ability and the quality with, of his crosses and stuff, but he never got like a cap like a Brian Steen or um, a Paul
2: Walsh or Mick Hartford or. Anything like that? He, what he had was, like Hoddle actually, and like Antich to a certain extent, they were my two footed players. He could cross the ball right foot, left foot unerringly, and he crossed that early ball, and it was always accurate. But more than that, he could score. He scored a goal at Preston when we need, when very early days, when I needed a result badly actually. We, I think we had two games to go Preston and Fulham. And we drew at Preston 2 2. And the great Tom Finney was in the boardroom afterwards. And I went up to the boardroom and Tom Finney said to me, I like the look of your outside left. And I told Mossy that. And it meant so much to David Moss. He was, um, he was I, I remember he was going to at Liverpool. Wonderful. When we were under the colour. Because uh, it was a great day for Luton. We had three goalkeepers and we still drew 3-3. It was one of the greatest games in our history, in my opinion. Um, Steen and Walsh ran Lawrence and Hanson silly. And I always, when I see Mark lawrence I always remind him of that game where we were absolutely fantastic. The following year, they got their own back. They beat a 6-0. Um, but that game was fantastic. And David Moss scored a chip. He was very good at chipping the ball. He was, he was magnificent. He was a top player, Mossy. A terrific, terrific player. Penalties, never missed. Yeah. Never missed a penalty. Yeah. But it, but he, yeah, it was two-footed. And that's... Uh, that that's skillful in itself to be able to strike a ball with both feet accurately.
1: Yeah. And as Mar said, what why do you know why or do you know kind of reasons? Was it just there were there was waddle and people like that in front of him that stopped him from getting the England cap, do you think?
2: No, mostly at the time. I mean we were we'd gone into the first division in the top division, yeah. but we weren't we weren't a glamorous club. You know, we were still in Ramshackle, Kenilworth Road, and um, we weren't really at the top table. We were, but we weren't, if you follow what I mean. We were Little Luton. And we enjoyed that, um, if you're not, well, I know you said stigma, that label. Um, and so in adversity, we would fight the big boys. We, we had the sign over Arsenal. We would beat Arsenal. We had a great record against the Arsenal. We, by the same uh, situation, we had a poor record against Everton. Um, they were my nemesis, Everton. But um, you now, listen... Fantastic days, fantastic players and great memories, great memories. There are so many players here we haven't mentioned. Um, saying, what are your honourable mentions? You can reel them off now, David. Uh, the research for this took me 25 weeks, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so, di- so difficult to name an 11.
1: Who's your? Uh, are there any honourable mentions you want to make or have you so mentioned them all as you went? Yes, yes. So, many, Larry, so many.
2: Gary yes. uh, Walshie. Um, G- While she was a clever signing, um, no, there's so many, so many really. Our was uh, was quite uh, interesting at Tottenham. Very educated guy. Players used to players at Luton. They, anyway, they, they, they played chess on a Friday night. The players at Tottenham. About seven of them. They were educated boys. They played chess, uh, and they played like that. I mean, uh, we, you know, we it was just um, just quality. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed it, and and. Um, you know who else there's so many i can't yeah I can't, uh, honorable mentions to everyone i'm going to give an honorable mention to a, a young left center back as well
1: who's that who's that david who do you want to give another mention johnson <laughs> <laughs>
2: was, thank you was, Gaffer. thank you i mean it was making his way and um got through the the competition it wasn't easy to be a professional and i always remember marvin wonderful parents wonderful parents came to watch you play very supportive not busy busy on the touchline. you had top class parents i'm going to tell you thank that you and that's thank very important uh, players background very important very important yeah
1: i think you mentioned a few times about competitions and things like that blair wits and stuff like that is that right Marv?
2: yeah i mean <laughs> that was
0: one of my biggest memories gaffer i mean i think mean, if most players who've come through youth teams would talk about their youth days and yeah. I I mean speak von- fondly about obviously going to Holland, the Blauwe yes. tournament and yes, how yes. It, yeah. it sort of like I mean made I mean made the experience even greater, even better. That was one of the things which when I actually went into the Luton staff as a as an academy coach that straight away I thought I want to bring in some sort of trip for the youth team players yeah. to go and we yes. end up going to Stuttgart that was a bit yeah. and, and uh, again you you came out regularly to those and that again that's something which is so rare and yourself and Brian Clough would come out because obviously
2: Forrest would go there as well and watch the other team I remember, I remember Clough I remember me too, yeah Clough was out there that's right I, uh, I remember him asking me what what did you f- fly out on <laughs> I said <"There's laughs> an aeroplane and he said well yeah but what kind of aeroplane I, said, I don't know all I know is it was an aeroplane you know, he wanted to know whether it was a BC4 or whatever they were in those days. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Clough was an intriguing character, a very intelligent man, very brash, very opinionated, but um, in many ways, w- wonderful to listen to. And he, he believed football should be played on the deck. And if it was meant to be played in the sky, that's where you, then they kick the ball in the air. It's, and he had good principles of play. Good principle. But of course, he was very, um, what's the word? Uh, maybe, have you got a word for him, Marvin? Centric?
0: To a certain extent, eccentric,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, well, yeah. very, yeah, Holland, Holland
0: was... Holland controversial. was very, very, very controversial. Controversial, <laughs> yes. That would be probably, yes, the best word to describe him. Um, normally, I mean, when we have ex um, players on, we say, oh, who, which... Which um, manager would you have managed this eleven? But I've got an interesting question for you now, knowing um, you now, as David Pleat, as, um, who's had all those years as a manager, what advice would you give a young David Pleat at the age of 28 now coming into the game to manage in today's game now, knowing what you already know about the game?
2: Be yourself. Be yourself. Um, stick to your principles. It's not easy. Because certainly if you lose a game or a couple of games, it's very easy to bend. It's very easy to change your philosophy. Um, and, you've, and to count to 10, Harry Haslam taught me many rather silly things. He was a joker. Uh, every time he spoke to us, was interspersed with jokes. By the time you finished talking for 20 minutes, you couldn't remember about 100 jokes he told you. But some of the things he said was very resonant. Count to ten slowly. Uh, Walls have ears. Um, uh, um, Two's company, three's a crowd. And then, of course, the funniest one of all: win, lose, or draw. Always tell the president or the chairman's wife she looks lovely after the game. (laughs) Um, That's important, he said. (laughs) Fantastic,
1: fantastic. So um, I know you're still doing some media work at the moment, and also you're working for Tottenham. Do you want to just give us a bit of an overview of? Of what you're up to these days and um, now, what you're working on at Tottenham.
2: No, ageism, ageism, media work. It's gone. Um, I write the occasional column. I'm writing a book, uh, which uh, will come out eventually when I finish. I'm not finished yet. Um, so, and um, I'm watching two or three games a week. I'm looking at the youngsters all the time and making comments from time to time on their on their progress or lack of progress. Um, so I'm a sounding board for the academy coaches, of which there are many in the academy system, um, and I'm quite close to the the inner innermost well, not the innermost sanctum, but the you could say the inner sanctum. Um, so I'm, I'm I think that they still uh, respect my views. So um, at the moment, it's um, quite uh, easily cope with. I watch various games at different levels. Seniors, academies particularly, uh, and one and two, divisions one and two. I was particularly, uh, I, I get great credit, which I think I deserve, for getting the boy out of Milton Keynes, which was a straightforward one because I went to Milton Keynes on several occasions. I saw this 16-year-old boy. It was a no-brainer, but it took them a while to, to get the thing done for £5 million. And I um, had a bad season last year because Mourinho didn't fancy him. But uh, I've got faith in him still, and he's back in the team now. That's just one of the things. I'm, I'm looking for a jewel. I'm looking for a diamond. It's very hard to find. Very hard to find. The lower league teams aren't putting youngsters in, as I've said, said earlier on. So you're looking beneath the first team at times. You're having to look at if they've got a 15 or 16-year-old emerging in their reserves. And, and if you want an academy player from another academy A club, it's uh, quite a cost and uh, you can't deal in that market so you have to look at the academy teams like who shall i say in, in the lower echelon Ipswich Bristol Cardiff oh, those clubs not the big clubs in the premier League. right yep. and because and you can you can uh, seduce bad word that an academy player a, young, a youngster from that uh, you know with a transfer fee but um now it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting and um, Let's put it blunt. I'm still enjoying it, Marvin.
0: That's great, Gaffan.
2: Listen, I want, on behalf of
0: Andrew and myself, thank you um, ever so much to coming on and being in the position of. I know a manager is difficult as it is, but for us to put you on the spot and for you just to give eleven names in what was an illustrious career that you had as a manager would have been very, very difficult. So I appreciate that.
2: You haven't asked me who would referee the referee the game. (laughs) Are we going to play a game with this team? A, 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 what do you call it? Reality game. We can, we can. Um, yeah. Who's who? on. Can we put them against another team in a in a, one of these uh, games they play nowadays on the screen? Can we put these this team together against another team in a tournament match? We we that has been mentioned actually by a few of the guests.
0: I mean, I mean Wayne. I think Wayne would have a big argument because of, of with, with his team because he's. He he comments about you sort of started this lazy left and he had this system where you made it work and and he used it a lot in his days as a coach. So, I mean, there'd be a lot of arguments about whose team would be better, Gaffer.
2: Marvin, you made a very good point, which I can just probably conclude on. on. I had a player called Wayne Turner who came from school. Now, Wayne Turner doesn't get into any top teams. He was just an absolutely solid club player which every team needs. You know, you look at the strength of any club and you look at the underbelly. Wayne Turner would play for me in any position. He now ruefully says at times, if there was going to be a substitution, he always knew it was him. <laughs> but let me tell you, I really valued that type of person and that type of player. Fitness fanatic, family man, luton born and bred. I can't speak highly enough of Wayne Turner, but maybe... The team is so good that we've selected today. I should make him sub again for this team. (laughs)
1: He'll love that. (laughs) He will love listening to that. And on that note, I want to say on behalf of My Best Eleven, thank you so much for your time, David. And that was David Pleat's My Best Eleven.